What's up, everybody? Got a brand new hour of stand-up material. It's really been fun. February 22nd, Vancouver, opening up just for laughs or closing just for laughs. Vancouver at the Vogue Theater. February 24th, Fresno, California. Me and my Mexicanos are going to have a good time. February 25th, San Jose, California, California Theater. February 26th, Sacramento, California. All these have low tickets. Then we got, what's next, V, after that? Um, then we got March 16th, Fort Myers, Florida. Nobody's buying tickets for that one. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Nobody's buying tickets. If you don't pick up the pits, I'll cancel it. March 17th, Happy St. Patrick's Day, Orlando, Florida. I'm going to Disney World without the kids, without my family. It's going to be fun to be on the rides. March 18th, Jacksonville, Florida. That's going to be fun. Um, I made a poster where I look like the quarterback. Uh, March Boston, Massachusetts, Wilbur Theater. I appreciate you guys showing me so much stuff. We got three of the Wilbur Theater sold out, and the fourth one is almost sold out. So if you, I don't know that I'll be adding any more. So if you want to get tickets to the remaining show, March 25th, Boston at the Wilbur, 24th, 25th, almost all sold out at the Wilbur. Thank you. March 28th to the 29th, West Palm Beach, Florida. March 31st, Miami Beach. April 1st, Tampa. April 12th, Austin, Texas. April 13th, San Antonio. We're there for you, baby. May 5th, Buffalo. May 6th, Ithaca. May 7th, Albany. And May 28th, Newport, Rhode Island. And let me tell you guys something. We are announcing something big, 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 huge. Julia Roberts' voice, huge, big. Next week or the week after, just keep September 22nd open, New York City. September 22nd, keep it open, keep it wide. Because literally, we have a huge announcement. I want that open like an asshole. September 22nd, New York City, huge announcement. This has been Jasmine with her uh, legs, her feet on my thighs. So all you people who had a foot fetish, hopefully you heard some of those dates as you were rubbing yourself to her feet. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chrissy Chaos. Today, we got a different one. You might hear drilling in the background. That's not me. That's two Asian men drilling holes right outside the door of the studio because this is what you get when you decide to put a podcast studio in a building that's not made for podcasts, but it's what it is. It's what I could afford, okay? So, you know, we've been talking a lot about that show that we've talked to every week. I've been going off about We Own This City, the show that I watch on HBO Max about Baltimore cops, about, uh, you know, they, they got into stuff, uh, you know, robbing drug dealers, taking money, a, a whole thing, a whole show, you know, played by John Bernthal, right? And, and, and we're talking about this, you, you know, I'm trying to do the Baltimore accent, it sucks. And then I, there it is, there's the drilling. That's what it is, folks. That's the drilling that you might hear on and off. Is it not too loud? Oh, so you guys can't even hear it. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the Chinese guy outside with the drill. But he's a good guy, we think. Yeah, actually, he was a nice guy. He, he does look, yeah, yeah he's yeah. a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he keeps saying one more hole. One more hole. <laughs> that's all. One more hole. One more hole. One more hole. That's a meal. That's a meal. That's one, a meal. One more hole. <laughs> so, the reason why, so our next guest will uh, introduce is we, that documentary that we spoke about years ago called the 7-5, about the 75th precinct, 7-5 precinct in Brooklyn that was on Netflix, but now is on Amazon that you can buy for $12.99. Um, we have the lead guy from that show, Mr. Mike Dowd, a.k.a. Michael Dowd. How you doing, my friend? I'm okay. There it is. I get nothing, by the way. So he's on. I don't get anything. You don't get a dollar for, for twelve ninety nine. As you shouldn't, because you would just steal it and sell I, coke with you're it. Right, I'm a I'm a criminal, so you're so, right. Yes, I'm so, a bad boy. 
So let me ask you a question. Wait, why should I get anything? Did you get something when you uh, took? Um, no, I do what? No, you no. People just use my name. Uh, yeah, take, is that? Is that? Yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. But let me ask you this, Mister Dowd. Um, did you? There it is. The drilling. Um, that's the Dominican cartel coming to kill you. Um, so, so I own no. You, they own Baltimore. I own the Dominican. That's cartel, what it is. Okay. So I'm kidding. <laughs> so let me ask you a question, man. So when you this documentary, which a lot of our fans have seen, when you watched it, what do you think about you in it? I tell you, I'm going to, uh, okay. So I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, I hate that word, by the way. I'm going to tell you the truth. Why would you even open your mouth if you weren't going to say the truth? Exactly. But the truth is. Yes. That I, I when I went and, this was 40 hours of taping to get that for me on my end. So it was probably about 250 hours of taping to put this together. Right. right. So when I sat, so I had seen a couple different versions of this, by the way. Uh, they do like a pre-screening thing where okay. I, had to, I had to go out to different studios around the country for, for, for pre-release. And I, they actually would, I would get up on stage at the end of the movie mm -hmm. and the, you'd, hear, <gasps> you'd hear this gasp in the, in the crowd. Like, oh, he's here. Like, I'm like, oh, Jesus. I didn't think people thought of me as that disparaging, but hey, whatever. So, but I sat down to watch this movie. It was in a theater in Manhattan, and I put one foot in the aisle way, right, <laughs> right by the, and sat right by the door because I wasn't sure how it was going to come out. Right. But I'll tell you, within the first four or five minutes, I saw the way they were approaching it, and it made me feel okay. Right. So because it really doesn't make me look like the villain, like, right. like I've been portrayed for the last thirty years or twenty-five years prior to the filming. Right. But but it shows. Both sides. So I yeah, because because what we so we have a person on our show that comes on with TT Jerry uh, is her name, and she did prison. She was in prison for twenty years, and so the reason why I wanted you know to that jerk off you just put up there. To, oh, 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 oh <laughs> Kenny. Oh, oh Kenny. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we'll yeah. get to him. We'll yeah. get to him. They they haven't seen the seven five documentary, so they don't know why you're calling him a jerk off. But I get. But we'll get to all that. But our character on our show, Jerry. Uh, um, you know, uh, big part of the big part of the show. Um, she served prison time for 20 years. And she told me she was like, you know, as a prisoner, she was like, I wish that people who went to prison, right, we, we go to prison, we kind of serve the death of society for our crimes. Correct. And then what we do you kind of serve. No, no, what, what, well, that's she, what the judge gives you. You right. serve. Well, you serve that, but she was saying that here she is, TT Jerry. If you know, if 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 you guys, you know, horny later, this TT Jerry. So, so she, so she did twenty years, and she, not bad, right? In long Good time. Good for her. Good for her. She did say you were cute. Just throwing that out there. Ah, I so, so Jerry said though, she was like, you know, I wish that more people would have people who serve their time on and can come back into society and help us try to assimilate back into society because we paid our debt to society right so i watched this documentary and i said you know your crimes were your crimes you did the time for them and then you come out and you're still a human being with a long life to live so i guess for me you know i wanted to come on have you come on and ask like do you feel like do you feel like you really like you paid for this and now you're ready to move on no you don't i feel like i paid for it and i can't move on interesting why because society doesn't allow you to. Got it. The first, there's roadblocks every step of the way, and there's nobody out there that's forgiving. Got it. Especially when you've had a publicly ostracized case like myself. So, for example, 
I came home from prison and I couldn't get a job. No one would hire me. Well, because why? Because when I left high school, I went to college. And after college, I went to the police department. And after 10 years in the police department, I spent 12 years in the federal police department, just right. on the other side of the fence. Right. So now that's 22-year gap in my employment history. And what did I do? I, I swung a nightstick and shot at people, I guess, right? Or right. Rob, robbed drug dealers. So what's, right. my, what's my skill level? Not only what's my skill level, people have a chance to hire... This young kid at a, at a school or, or, or who's yeah. matriculated from one job to the next. Right. Or this convict that just came out of prison. And then if something goes wrong, they're going to be on the news for hiring me. Right. So uh, just the deck stacked against you. And it's just not fair. There's a lot of ways to handle this. And we can go into the psychoanalyst analytical approach to this and or the, the reality of, of having a convict get a job. Right. But people, for, why should I give a job to a convict? Right. You know, why does the convict get the chance and not this kid who just finished school? It's perfect. Yeah. Well, I see it firsthand in my life. I mean, I have Jerry, who, you know, again, 20-year convict. She, she's the primary, she takes care of my children because I trust her. And I'm like, I believe in rehabilitation. Do you feel like since the 7-5 documentary has come out and has made your case famous in many ways, you famous, do you feel your life has gotten easier or harder? So I had a job making about 100 grand a year. Okay. When the documentary came out and- Within six months of that, I lost a job. Right. Because of, uh, they said that I was promoting myself at work. Right. I mean, how, how was I promoting myself at work? I was working for a hospital. It's a very well-known hospital circuit, one of the largest ones in the country in Long Island. And uh, I was in their maintenance department. I had qualif qualified for the job. My, right. My, my job. My work ethic. They knew was, about your work history. They, 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 they knew about my criminal history. They yeah. knew about my work history. All good. Yeah. You know, union job, benefits, pension, the whole thing. And right. I lost it because, well, there's many, I'm, I'm twisting it a little bit only because I ended up getting a disability from the government because I was disabled. Got it. But the fact is they were going to fire me anyway. Right. Because uh, they put me out on sick leave. Right. But so they, so, so they terminated my suspension for right. promoting myself at work. Right. Put me on sick leave, and right. then because I have a very bad, uh, what would you call, uh, discs and, and shoulders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's all bad, so I, I think like I'm going numb right now talking to you. Right, it's not cocaine. No, no, not from okay. that. No, no, that's, I don't like the smell, not the taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so okay, so, so in some ways then, do you regret putting out the documentary or being a part of it? So, you know what? I, I, I would say this, no. And why? Well, because first of all, it's nice to have a little bit of a public uh, atmosphere and, and recognition. And I, and I get recognized pretty regularly. Positive or negative? Mostly. Well, most people don't hey, call you scumbag. They don't yell, hey, fuckface. You know, right. they, they, but many people uh, come over to me. Hey, I saw the documentary. It's great. You know, uh, I see you on different podcasts. I don't want to plug other podcasts on yours. You can. Soft White Underbelly. Yeah, yeah. You know, Joe Rogan's, yeah. Vlad's. I've been on some of the top podcasts yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the world. And uh, so, yeah, I guess I'm a decent guest. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could get paid for them now. Well, I, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. We're working on it. Yeah, we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Parking. Yeah, Park, all that stuff. Some sandwich. <laughs> well, I because, because it is that thing where, you know, you come out and you say, you know, say to the, you know, our fans, because we always do, oh, you have questions for our guests and say, oh, Mike Dowd, 75 Precinct. And you get a 50-50 split. You get somebody who be like, ask this, ask that. But then you get somebody who like, how could you have that guy on? Low life. And then for me, because it's same thing, I know you're friends with John A. Light. Yeah, yeah. So we had John A. Light on the podcast and it was the same thing. He was a murderer, all that. But my thing is, if we have a, a system of laws 
and then you go through that system of laws, and then and then a jury of your peers gives you a sentence, and then you serve that sentence. You serve your death to society. Right. Why not be welcomed back in? And I feel like yeah. a lot of people forget that. So that's yeah. why for me, yeah. I'm like, it's not about like sitting here and glorifying what you did and high fiving. We all know it was no. wrong, right. but you're still a person, and then you come on and have an opportunity. You're, it, the story is interesting. It's a very interesting thing. Yeah. Well. So yeah. yeah. So uh, my my take on that spin, whatever you want to call it, is that everybody is human. Okay. Now we, we execute him in human beings in this country. Too. Sure. I mean, we do it. I mean, I, I don't necessarily like it. I think some people deserve to be executed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but right. one mistake, one mistake, and it's not a good one, right? <laughs> yeah. Think yeah. about it. That one guy that we killed. Yeah. And we know we've killed many. Right. I mean, it, which right. is unfortunate. So, I mean, we can go down that rabbit hole if we want. Right. But for me, if you, if you, if you honestly do your time, which basically, how could you not honestly do your time? When you come out of, when you get released, you've done your time. Yes. I mean, years ago, they gave you a shotgun, a gold coin, and a horse. Right. Okay? Now you can't touch a gun. There is no gold. Yeah. And I wish I had a horse. So, right, I mean, right. so, I mean, really, today, you know, when you come out into society today, I'll tell you what happened to me. I walked out of, uh, walked down, I was in Manhattan uh, very early on in my, in, my pre, in my release, but I was called pre-release because I was in a halfway house in Brooklyn, and I saw a, a, a patrolman. I was standing on the corner, and to be honest with you, I don't like the dark blue uh, uniforms. I like the powdered blue ones that I had. Yeah. And I thought I was looking at a garage mechanic because that's what the uniform reminded me of. Right. I was away for so long. I come out and there's no more powder blues. But I looked at this police officer and, and, and I, 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 I had a loss. Right. I felt lost. Right. I felt like I just lost. The, I didn't recognize what I lost until I came out again into society. Right. And I couldn't say to this police officer and anybody who was a cop, I know some of the guys that you hang around with used to be cops or cops. Yeah, yeah. When you lose that family, you've lost a lot more than you ever could imagine. Right. So it's a very deep feeling. And so I understand there's a lot of hate by some cops towards me, but I have a lot of cops that call me and send me messages on the side and say, something, it's a little, we love you, don't worry, you know, but we can't say it. I mean, right. how many cops have you said, how many people in here have said that, right? Right. Or, when I was selling cigars, I still have them, by the way. The, uh, there you go. The big boss cigars. <laughs> Sell them. Yeah. Um, sell them out of a trunk in Islip, yeah, New York. Yeah, in Islip, New York, because yeah. no one will carry them. They, they tried to close down the store. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they tried to close down one of the stores. I believe I it. With cigars with. So, but, but you're so, so no one wants to give you a fucking chance. No one wants to give you a chance. And again, which, you know, I get it. I see it both ways. Did, did you feel when you, and then we'll get to like the story and all that for the people who haven't seen it. But I just, I've always fascinated when you like went to prison. It was 12 year sentence, right? No, it was 14 years. 14 years. Face life when I walked in the courtroom. Face life. When I walked in the courtroom. So when yeah. you. So went, it's no joke. So was there when you, because you must have known when you were doing what you were doing that eventually you're going to get caught. No. Here. You thought genuinely, I will get away with everything. You couldn't believe when you were about to face life in prison. No, I couldn't believe it. You couldn't believe it? No, I couldn't believe it. Okay. Yeah, because I, because and I'll tell you why, because around me, cops were getting arrested all fucking day. Right. Okay. And they were getting basically dismissed from the job. Maybe get a year, maybe get six months, you know, maybe go to a prison camp somewhere. Not me. Right. I was the face of the scourge, you see? Right. I was the one now. They right. just they lock up half a dozen cops every every couple of weeks. And if anybody knows about the police department, about one percent of the police department gets locked up. Right. All right? In a year. Because right. there's uh back then there was there was when I was on twenty one there was twenty one thousand cops and two hundred cops a year got arrested. Right. No one knows that. No, no, one, no one even knows the numbers. But when there's forty thousand cops, if you go one percent, that's four hundred cops a year getting arrested. Right. 
and, and not and not for Dewey. Right. <laughs> for, for serious stuff. For doing things similar to what similar, you were doing. Similar, and even in some case worse. We have some hitmen that were cops and stuff like that. Right. I, I never got that, well, almost. But no, I never right. actually got that uh, tab right. as a hitman. But I was accused of nine murders. You were accused, yeah. So, so I was accused of nine murders. I didn't scratch anyone's eyeballs once. Right. And I got accused of nine murders. Well, because they tried to develop something. They, they try to develop a thing. Fishing expeditions, you know, they, they, they just throw shit in the water. Well, it is interesting the way the justice system works. When you watch the documentary, you see, you know, you, you were convicted of your crimes, and then your partner in crime, uh, Kenneth, uh, you, you, what was that? Urell. Urell. Like Kenny, urethra. Kenny Urell. Like, urethra. Like, like urethra, Kenny, yeah. which mine has been burning. Kenny Urell, who uh, Venetia put a picture up because she doesn't understand. Kenny Urell, uh, Kenny Urell, who was your partner in crime, cooperated with the FBI and, and served zero days in prison. Correct. And so... You know, I understand the government. I don't government. blame them if I, if you can get a deal like that. I understand I mean, the government. want to. I understand the government works the way it works, but how did how did that make you feel? Because at the end of the documentary, I felt like a real moment when you know I know Hollywood is BS, but I felt there's no BS in that documentary. I was like, you know, you really were hurt, like truly hurt. I, by actually, that. I'm getting upset right now when you, as you're talking about. Do you it. have a weapon on you? <laughs> no, but I got a big guy in the back. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. I, I, I'll just tickle him. He'll fall. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. So, I'm going to try that. Yeah. So how did you like truly feel about that uh, uh, on a personal level? Because you understand there is a part of you, I would imagine, that understands, well, he has a wife and kids too. He's trying to save his own ass. But how did it make you feel? So, okay, so he not only did he set me up, See that if if anybody remembers and watches that, I don't want to give it away to too many people. But in the end, he sets me up while we're out on bail. Right. So they had his phones. I told him they got your phones. He twisted it on. He legitimately didn't know. Right. He didn't understand. I understood better than he did because he's like he's never really been that sharp. Anyway, but so I knew I knew that he was being tailed. So but they they picked me right up. Now. Okay. Now this is now I said to him this isn't the, this isn't the regular tail. This is someone different. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, it's Suffolk. This is not the city tailing me because I always gets them. I said now I caught Suffolk first day, but. Right. I didn't know they had the phones. So, long story short, in the end, when it comes to to this process, is when I put him on the when I put it out there to him, he was the one who brought the police to us. He was the one who brought the attention mm-hmm. to us. And when we were out on bail, he tried to set me up. Now, what he did was he came to me one time. People don't know this very intimately. Is he came to me one time and he suggested that um, that that I go speak to the feds. Now, I'm like, why would you tell me to go speak to the feds? Right. I didn't know this. But he was already cooperating with the feds at that time. Right. So that was the betrayal part. Right. He should have just said, you know, take the microwave, cover your fucking, your tape recorder, wherever it is, and tell me, Mike, go cut a deal right now because I'm cutting one. And I would have cut myself a decent deal, not have to give anybody up. We go serve our time together, and, and we go off into Hollywood somewhere when they, when they do the real movie. Right, right, right. right? I mean, right. come on, let's, live a, let's be happy in the end. I look for hope. Right. So, so, but it, 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 so when I finally meet him again, when they're filming the documentary... Oh, you did see him. Oh, I finally met him. I, I set the whole thing up in front of the 75 Precinct. I sort of jumped him in front of the 75 Precinct. I gave him a hug. You know, because I didn't. Wow. Know, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I, I, I had, I had arranged a meeting so that we could get through this and work together on this documentary. Because I wanted it to be a special documentary, which it was. It was. Point. It was. It really was captivating. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I thought that maybe there's a way we could. And I say this in the documentary about the the, the drug business or the right. maybe there's some way we can make money from this. You know, I mean, our lives been a tragedy. Mine right. has. His. He's got his pension. He's got his wife. He's got. He's got homes. He's got businesses. Whatever. I'm, 
mine's a tragedy. It, right. His might not be. Right. But his wife passed recently, so. Oh, she did. I'm oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. Sad. Yeah, I, uh, I, she was a part of the documentary. Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, which, which is unfortunate, and I want to take a moment to be serious about that. So, yeah. You know, so she, yeah, she had just um, seizures or something. Or yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, so, brain, a brain aneurysm, and just, and oh, just died. That's, yeah. So the, the and, and you know, so there's humanity in this whole thing, and I, and I love the guy. Right. But but it felt like, and you asked, it felt like I was being cheated on. Could you be friends with him again if there was a, some type of reconciliation? So we have tried since then, and I, he's more angry than I am. I, I, I don't know why, because all I'm doing is telling the truth. Right. So part of the process, his wife did the documentary, and she thought she was going to come out of it looking you know, squeaky clean, but the fact is she got arrested too. Right. For drug conspiracy. Knowing about it. Yeah. 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 Being slightly involved, answering phones, Johnny's here, bingo, now you're in it. You're in it. So, so when I was asked about the whole scenario, I explained that she was arrested for conspiracy. Oh, she went off the, off the rails. She got upset. And then she says, I had to explain to my kids. You had to explain to your kids when they were 29 years old. My kids had to know what that six and, and one. You know, yeah. you, you waited till your kids were 29 to say, listen, this is what yeah. happened to mommy and daddy. You know, 20 years ago, my kids were getting thrown off baseball teams because their daddy was bad. So, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't, right. I couldn't grasp her suffering right. when I, I spent all this time in prison. Yeah. And now she says, people won't talk to me at lunch. Oh, really? Right. <laughs> lunch? Are you worried about yeah. your lunch there's, in the civilian world? You can switch jobs. There's, I, I'm stuck in a prison cell where people wouldn't talk to me for 12 and a half fucking years. Yeah. There's, there's, a, you're going to give yourself an aneurysm. You've got to come. Uh, the, 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 no. You don't know me well. No. <laughs> I'm the, just very, very I love it. Well, there was a part of the documentary towards the end that, like, you know, I was watching it with my girl, and it's like, you know, we got little kids, and there's a part where one of the FBI agents is saying what they know they're about to kind of close in on you. There's going to be this big drug sting, car come from everywhere it's, you know you, they, you, the FBI agent says I don't know if you, you have a gun if you'll shoot back if you'll go to Blades of Glory whatever and he said there's kids out there and he said one of the kids is riding on a bicycle and I say to that little kid get in your house right now there could be a big problem here you need to get into your house and he goes that little kid rode his bike right into Michael Dowd's house it was his kid and that kind of felt very real to her and I we were like wow what does he tell his kid now, like the kid's life. Do you feel like your children's life, number one, are you still close with them or do you guys have a good relationship and are they angry at you for all this stuff? So of course they were angry at the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but today we're really close. That's beautiful. Yeah, a, a lot of mending fences has taken place. But it's happened. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. Because it was a little rocky in the beginning. Yeah, well, yeah. I, that's fine, yeah. you know, yeah. but you get through it. Well, that's I said to his, so, I, so anybody who goes through this, I said to my kids, I'm, I'm, I'm your father, I'm not your dad. And I said, hopefully... One day I could be your dad. So right, yeah, yeah. and that, and that and now you are, which now is good. Now and 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 all these people that were a part again, you know, there, there's. I mean, you want to talk about characters? There are characters in this documentary that's like uh, you watch it and you're like, this is like. Uh, it, it, I would. I'm. I'm surprised it's not a movie yet. Have you been approached about movie and all that? But you're just yeah. not going to make. Oh, no, it's, being, it's, it's being made it, right now. Well, so so it's a process, you know. Right. And, and this fucking business sucks. Sure. I, I mean, I've been owned now. <laughs> they've owned me for seven and a half years. They won't let me go. Right. And then all of a sudden they give you a little chump cheese, and then fifteen offers come. The minute right. you sign the deal, fifteen offers come. And right. It's happened to me three times. Right. Where I've turned down millions. Right. Because I signed a fucking piece of paper. <laughs> I know, it's how they get you. They ah. fuck you. I know. Uh, so, so, cause, cause I, when I watched So we're it, working on a TV series? Okay. So, I'm fucking this up, but I don't care. 
Ben Stiller is uh, contracted to do a, a movie with, uh, I think Prime now owns us. Okay. Prime took over from, I want to say Paramount. I don't even know. Not Paramount. One of the other companies. <laughs> I just signed papers. Right. Uh, but I don't have anything to do with Prime because I don't own me. They just pass me around like a shingle. Right, right. And, uh, so Prime yes, which is, Homeless Pimp just got over. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now, but, but they own it. And if they have to be in production by March 22nd. Otherwise, okay. we have other, other things to talk about. Right, right. Yeah. So, so there's numerous still. Numerous stuff. Still, the good thing is the good thing is people are still interested in doing it. Yeah. Well, that, like I said, it's it's a captivating story because you know you have it's it's that kind of thing where you're like you know you are the the good guy you know the cop in the uniform and then you have this power and then you can you know absolute power corrupts. absolute power exactly <laughs> and you do good or bad and here's the thing with you i would assume it's not like every single day of your life on the job you were doing this stuff these were days of your life that were very bad days right. but there were also times throughout this NYPD career where you were a good cop and you helped people so so that's the dichotomy we live right, right. because there's good and bad in everyone you know sure. and that's a song, isn't it? Good and bad and everyone. Yeah, learn I'm to sure. live before we yes. to give each other. We need to survive. Uh, together alive. Uh, yes. I only listen to classical music, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> no, but the point with that was is that yeah. and we, we have we have some cops around us that would understand this. You know, you try to do your best every day. So what happened in my case, and I, I I don't make no excuses for what I did, but sometimes you're weakened by the by the fact that you're broke. Right. Okay. And then you're, you're tempted by the street. And back in the 80s, everybody had a kilo and $10,000 in their pocket and, right. and a gold chain around their neck right. and a gooseneck equalizer on their Jaguar. Right. So, I mean, you knew where the money was. So, you know, if you right. really wanted to get some money, you knew where to go. And right. it, was, it was there. It was, a, it was a calling sign. And it's very difficult for a guy in his 20s who's broke, who's got six bucks in his pocket and a, and a, and a Hyundai, you know, to, to 18 year old kid with a Jaguar, you get a little upset. You know, right. how does this work out? You got the jag, I got nothing. So, right. And it is no justification for it. But weak, I would say weak, you know, humans. Humans are fallible. Fallible people yeah. will step over the line. Well, I think too, like, you know, when I, when I watched it, okay, so Mike, we got over here, it says Mike Dowd first crossed the line when he took a $200 bribe at a routine traffic stop. I told him he was looking at 2,000 in tickets for jail time, so I suggested if he brought me a nice lobster lunch, I could let him go. That's in the documentary, and that's true. That's true. It's a fact. Nice. And he got and, and he got you a, a lobster, lobster lunch. lunch. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, so, he didn't get the lobster. He gave me. Yeah, he gave me the money. Yeah. Well, because because when I watched this show, we. I, I like lobster. Do you I, like lobster? I um I uh I don't know if I love crustaceans, but I like scallops more. You like scallops? Yeah, I'm a scallops guy. If we're going to the bottom of the sea, I go scallops. But I'll yo I I, I, I take crustaceans. I, I like red lobster. I love those garlic biscuits. <laughs> um. So but 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 so have you seen We Own This City? Um, I'm going to be honest, HBO. I saw the promos for it, and okay. I've never seen a show. So it's about the lead guy uh, is, is this officer, John Berntall, Sergeant Wayne Jenkins, and this is about you know corrupt cops in Baltimore, right. and this happened in 2015. He got 25 to life. Right. All these guys got harsh, harsh prison sentences. Right. So right. it was in wake of the Freddie Gray death right. and right. all that. But you know when I watch this, and same when I watch yours, as you said, no justification, and I don't know. I was never been put in that situation. I don't want to be put in that situation. But the way that this documentary, uh, the way that this TV show TV and show. your documentary right. made it seem like is like where the fuck you think they get these ideas from? You, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I know they've been yeah. stealing it since 1992. Yes, go ask Denzel Washington, who's a good friend of yours. Is he a good friend? Of Denzel yours? Washington, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I wish <laughs> he, uh, he did. He did the uh, I'm the king of the city or some shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. training day. Yeah, training, training day. day. How do you think he got that from? 
You guys. They've been stealing my shit for years. So, so Rocky did it. What's his name? Sylvester. He Sylvester did, Stallone, he did this, yeah. He did the, the cop movie. Got yeah. a fucking Academy Award nomination. Bro. Right, right. What do you think he got that? They actually stole it from a book that they wrote about me. Come on, it's never uh, ended. What uh, am I going to get my day? I believe, you're getting it right now here on the Chrissy Chaos Podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so arrived. But what, but what I found, you know, for what I felt was I was like, you know, I wonder if trying to, trying to put yourself in, in your shoes and in the Wayne Jenkins shoes is saying, well, you're getting, you know, you're going out there and doing, uh, really genuinely getting guns and, yes. and drugs off the streets. You Correct. are. And you're saying, the city doesn't respect me. I'm not getting paid as much as I should. These drug dealers now, are, especially nowadays, are getting out like that. Yeah. And you're saying, why Back then, they was the same way. Why can't, I, why can't I get what's owed to me? Right. Why can't I just take a little bit of money off the top? They don't know about it. I'm right. still taking the 50 grand in drugs off the street, but right. I'm taking 10 for myself. Right. What's the problem? And then it snowballs from there. Is that correct? And that's, how the thinking begins? almost exactly how it happened. Well, I'm a criminal. Yeah, there you go. Blue Chew, baby. You know it. We love it. We talk about Blue Chew here a lot. They're sponsoring this episode. What I love about Blue Chew tablets, made in the USA, and confidence will take you far in life, especially in the bedroom, okay? When it's time to step up to the plate, that's where Blue Chew comes in. I got a friend, you know, trust me, this guy, he, ha he can't see an erection unless he's on Blue Chew, okay? He's a, you know, he's a friend of ours. I talk about him all the time, Mr. Pat. Now, Blue Chew, what's great about it is nobody has to know about it. Nobody has to know. You literally, all you do is go to bluechew.com, throw in that promo code chaos. You get your first month free, by the way, with just using the promo code chaos. All you do is pay the $5 of shipping, and it's all discreet packaging. Nobody knows, and literally, you just get the confidence back in the bedroom, and you just get stiff, and it's awesome. It's all done online. No visits to a doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting online at the pharmacy, none of that, okay? You just go on the website, you get those blue chews, and next thing you know, you're stiff in the wind. I love it. We all take it. It's perfect. There's nothing sexier than confidence. Bluechew.com, promo code chaos, first month free. All you got to do is pay the $5 of shipping. Get hard. Because that's what happens. I yeah. mean, you just get yeah. weakened by it. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, so, so I used to say to myself, look, we're the, we're the protection. We're the armed right. protector of the local drug dealers. Right. So I would drive by and get a call on the corner, crack sale, whatever. You show up, you roll up. You can't take anybody. Ain't, no one's holding it when you walk up there. If they are, you're like, you're an asshole. What are you holding it for? Just right. throw it on the floor and you're free. So now you find crack on the floor and maybe some money in a bundle over somewhere hidden because they think the money might be marked, so they throw the money too. So now it's your choice. Voucher it like a good boy or hold on to it and do something with it. Well, you know what? Sometimes you don't. Or you roll up on a guy, you toss a couple of guys, and I peel a couple hundred off and I put his money back in his pocket. What does he know? He went home that day. He didn't get arrested. He's happy. What happens is we became their armed protector. We weren't allowed to arrest them. During right. the crack era, we were told not to arrest crack dealers, ladies and gentlemen. Right. It was a fact. I'm not making this up. And if you did arrest them, you could, but you'd find yourself behind the desk in about a week. Okay. Because it was just too voluminous. Right. And it would cost the city more to process a crack arrest than it would for, for, for the value it gave to society. Right. So just like today, how they're letting people get off out of robbing drugstores and grocery stores, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And now you have no fucking stores open downtown here in Manhattan. Nothing. It's ghost town. Ghost town. So do you remember this New York City today? Does it remind you a little it's, bit of the New York City of the exactly 80s? It's exactly how it was then. Actually, it's worse now because, because to now you're seeing it. 
on cameras everywhere. And no, that is fucking being done. This isn't absurd. So do Back you, then, there was no people camera watching us. So sure. Could, I could rob you in a heartbeat. No big right. deal. And you wouldn't see it. But now you're seeing it. Right. And, and, and they're doing nothing about it. So do you think then... It's disgusting. Do you think the conditions are right now for someone else to kind of do what you did in the NYPD or any police agency to do it now again? So, so uh, there's a problem with that. Right. Cameras. Yeah, right. But, but, that doesn't mean it's... That doesn't mean... You think, you think for sure, right now, there's people doing something similar to, to probably, what you did? Probably at a higher level. Because really? Because yeah, it be, couldn't be street. Right. The street's too many, there's too many eyes on the street. But I would say at higher levels. And I don't mean like higher level captain, chief, inspector. I mean just in organizationally higher, where would be involved in helping distribute or helping move? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Well, there's that. corruption even now, like, you know, mayor. I mean, you, 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 you got a huge, huge fentanyl... Some fucking independent, and they put him all over the news last night because he had a picture with Donald Trump. Because this Philly guy, uh, Joey, skinny Joey from Malone, yeah, it was a big I story. I don't know. The big story with Trump, and yeah. and, and, and yeah. John had a picture with Trump, so they pulled his, yeah. his picture, social media picture and, and ran a big article of, of Trump hanging out with hitmen, you know. So, Got I mean, it. It's all jerk off. It's all so, so, so like, you know, something, something like, like that. It's so fucking frustrating. Sometimes. I know it is. It's it's just like the world we live in, the media kind of stuff we live in. But I even you know you say corruption at higher levels, like even like you know Eric Adams, Mayor Eric Adams, who who you know we've actually had on the show a few years ago. He's his top guy. One of his that he just elevated. One of his top guys was like a corrupt guy that stole supposedly three hundred thousand dollars. He was the top cop at the time, and you kind of just it's just interesting what like what corruption is. A blind eye is turned to, okay, and what yeah. corruption yeah. is not, right. and and and. But I think that's just life. Like the, the rules are, they don't apply to everybody the rule, all the time. The rules for thee, not for me. Is that what it is? Yes. Uh, well, how about just us? Right. It's not justice. It's just, just us. us. Yeah. Right. That's gonna be my. That's gonna be my podcast. So, name. do you think, I think like, I decided on that? Could you ever just s- us? Just us. Yeah. Do you ever see yourself? Could you see yourself as time goes on, you ever getting back into some type of? things like how you got back into your 30s or have you really like not learned your lesson but do you think that that's like does that ever come out of you is every time like you know what i could get involved with this illegal thing no one's going to arrest me i can make a little money on the side i deserve it do you ever go down that road as in your elder years every person has to check themselves every day for me that's my opinion because every day you make a decision to do something right or wrong and or not so yeah so people call me up and offer they actually on social media offer me cocaine you know whatever i want yeah real dirt oh i can't i can't well i can't wait to hook up with you i'd like to you know because you know how to do it right really i got a fucking life sentence almost for christ's sake yeah yeah i know how to do it really good yeah yeah follow me yeah Yeah. so yeah but so yeah so it's it's a little ridiculous but people offer us so you're uh, still tempted, in other words. You're just being honest. Well, not that you would. Right, let's but. not. Let's let's finally not be honest. Of course, I'm tempted every day. Right. But I have to make that decision every day not to do it because, you know, I struggle. You know, I'm trying to get fifty bucks for you for parking right now. It's, yeah. It's, it's not easy around here. Yes. You know. We'll give it. To, what's your Venmo? <laughs> um, <laughs> so let me ask. I had a question too. From this is actually from TT Jerry. She wanted to know when you went to prison. Were you put in solitary confinement? Were you put in general population? Initially, initially I was put in solitary, and then I for tried. your own safety. That's what they said. Yes, right. right. And then what happened throughout the course of? I said t- I can't do this. I'm not going to do a sentence like this. So put me in general population. Let me let's bring bring what may. Were, were you were you genuinely nervous that first day going to general population? Like they're going to find out I'm a cop, and then because no, I wasn't nervous that they were going to find out I'm a cop. Everybody in the prison already knew me. So what? So so. Did you get and oh, I got some fights? Shit. I got up. some shit. People, people want to front more than they want to fight. 
So, you know, and they want, they want to try to check you. So I just. So you never got into like a major physical altercation I, based oh, off that? No. Based off you being a cop? No. I had to, I had to go to the mop room a couple times, but they didn't show up. So I won. So you won, right. Were you meet me in the mop room? I was there. Was there when you first got into prison, when you said, I may not, I may not make it through these 14 years, somebody could kill me in here. Yes. Were you genuinely nervous about that? Uh, yes. Right. Initially. Initially. But as time went on. As time went on, if you learn how to do your time, no one really wants a problem themselves. Right. So if you don't put yourself in a problem area, you should be okay. Now, there'll be guys that'll want to test you and try you, and, or guys that have nothing to lose. You don't want to be around them too much. Right. Because, I mean, I almost got, my last month, I almost got stabbed. In, in, Your last month? Yeah. At the halfway house? No. It, no. Oh, there. In prison. Because yeah. once you get to the halfway house, you're kind of almost yeah, home. Yeah, we were watching Friends. You everybody know who's Friends, the show Friends? On sure. TV? I'll tell you the story real yeah. quick. So watch I'd stab you too. We're watching Friends on TV. And I've been watching Friends on this TV for three years, right? Right. So in comes a guy, D.C. Black. They're called D.C. Black, okay? I don't know if that's what they're called in, in prison. He's a black guy from D.C. Because D.C. doesn't have a, they don't have um, a lockup. So all D.C. inmates go to federal prison. So, wow. Yeah, so he's in there with me. And he's a bad, not a bad guy. I actually like the guy. Right, right. So, but I'm sit, I sit down and, 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 and during friends, hold this one second. Sure. He's probably go, right? Yeah, yeah. So I do that. I, I clap my hands. And yeah. he gets all pissed off. He's got these big earphones on. You can't even hear me talk. But right. he heard that. And right. It bothered him. So I'm like, I've been doing this for three years. Uh, you take a walk, pal. And he's like, well, I go, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I got, I got nasty. Guys. Don't, don't tell me what to do, motherfucker. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I earned this fucking spot. Right. So next day, I don't know. He goes, I want to talk to you. So I go upstairs like a schmuck. See, I'm, so, I'm somewhat naive, okay? I go upstairs like a schmuck. He goes, come on, I want to talk to you. Now, that's what you're supposed to do in prison. You're supposed to talk to a guy and work it out or fight. So I figure I'm going to take him either way. I don't care. I'm going to either fight him and kill him. Right. Or, or, or talk it out. Whatever right. he wants to do. I was jacked. I'm not like this. I was fucking. No, you're still jacked. I was nah. So anyway, so <laughs> you're, no, good, you're, you're good I mean, enough. Shape. Jacked. Yeah, you're in good shape. Yeah. So I, I, I was really jacked. So I was like big, big like you, like stout. Uh, when like, I take off my shirt, it falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, but but what he does, he calls me in his in his, in his room. So I said, all right, well, I don't go in your room. It's not not a threat to me. I don't give a fuck. Right. And when I walk in the room, he pulls out a fucking shank this long. Right. Oof. And he goes. Like this. He says, you disrespected me like that. I go, what do you want to do? Yeah. What do you want to do? I had the most peace I ever had in 12 and a half years in prison at that moment. Is the reason because you thought I could die right now and that'd be fine? Or, or what, what, why do you think you had the most peace? Because, I, and I don't want to get religious. And, no, we can I said, God, he's going to die with his own knife. All right. I'm taking that knife from him. He's going to swing at me. I'm going to take it from him, and he's going to die with his own knife. And I'm okay with that. Right. This'll be, and then I'll be able to show these motherfuckers the whole time who they really had lurking, lurking with them. Because I'm, right. I'm not a little bitch, okay? Right. But, you know, you try to avoid problems in prison because you want your sentence to go smoothly. But if someone's going to pull a knife on me, they're going to die. That's all right, and that was my approach. Even if it added more years to your uh, sentence, you no, don't care. It's not, it's not adding any more years to my. The guy pulled a knife on me. He's dying with his own knife, and I'm not getting another day. Right. And he had a guy six foot eight, four hundred and sixty five pounds, standing in front of the door. So you, because there's a window in the door, so you couldn't see in. I'm like, wow, oh, this is going to end badly for somebody, and it ain't going to be me. And so what happened? How did it get diffused? Shaking. He put the knife down. He's, he said, he, no, he held the knife. I said, well, you're the boss. What do you want to do? You got the knife. Right. 
I he's talking. He don't want to stab no one. <laughs> yeah. So I said, all right. So I back, I, I, I back, I scooted out the way. I opened the door. I said, he says, don't you tell nobody I didn't stab you. I said, I ain't going to say nothing. You're all right. I walked out the door. Clip it right here on this podcast. We're telling everybody. <laughs> Did you remain friends with him? Did you kind of reconcile after that? Nothing to say. Just go away then. Yeah. So, so because I always too wonder, you know, you go to prison for, you know, 14 years, substantial amount of time. Did you feel when you were going through that, like, like, what do you think about? Are you just thinking about what my day is going to look like the day I get out? And do you get Stockholm syndrome? And that night before okay. you were going to get released, are you like, shit, now I don't want to go? Good question. Thank you. I'm that's a one of the, That's one of the good questions. Oh, by the way, does Poland Spring sponsor you? Uh, uh, yes. No, actually, they don't. No? Okay. They don't. Uh, they'll make put this down. Oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. No, it's no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you get them now. Yeah, I know. Let's see. I'll give you half. That's right. <laughs> we'll work this out. Yeah. So, so, I, I, um, so I woke up every day exactly at the, when they cracked the door in, in prison, right? Mm -hmm. So the last day. They had to knock on the, they, they, so when you leave prison, and anybody who's ever been to prison, I don't, I don't know anybody, maybe not. Yeah. When you leave prison the last day, well, the inmates circling around because they want your shit. Your sneakers, your coffee cups, wow. your underwear, whatever's that, whatever has any value, your sweatshirts, you know, whatever, your hat, whatever it is, uh, your sunglasses, something that they can clump, Right. you know? It's like, it's, like, it's like someone moves out of a house. You're like, what are you leaving? You know, right, right. So uh, they had to wake me up. It was 7.30. They, Dowd, you're leaving today. What are you doing? I go, oh, that's right. And they're like, you fucking sleep. I never sleep. You know? They're like, you slept. I said, I guess it was the best night of my life. I don't know why. Wow. I slept straight through to 7.30. They had to wake me up. And I left. And, and so, so how I left prison was my father had said, you want me to send a limousine for you? I said, Dad, I just want to be normal. Right. I want to take the bus. I just want to be, I've, I've been the guy in every fucking prison I went to. And by that, I mean focus. Everywhere I went, they had 1,800 men, 3,600 eyeballs looking at me wherever the fuck I went in the compound yeah. because I was there. I was, if you, if you wouldn't do on the compound and he's been here three weeks, he comes to you and goes, there's a cop on the compound. That's him over there. Now you guys are friends. You have something in common to talk about. Got so it. I was that subject matter in every fucking prison I went to, which was three or four or five or six, and the hunger strike one, and the other one I tried to get laid to. So yeah, it was about five. You, kept, you got thrown out of multiple prisons. Couple, yeah, but not bad. You know, just I, it's hunger strikes and stuff like that. You know, But I had nothing to do with them. Right. You were intermittent fasting. Yes, I was fasting. They were, yeah, they were hungry. I get it. Um, <laughs> so, so, so that last day you take the bus what, when you f come out, because when you're in one place for 14 years and then you come out into society, was it shocking? Was that, that, what had changed so much? The world. Really? The world. Was there one thing where you were like, whoa. Cell phones? You didn't have them. No, computers were just becoming home computers. Um, and when I walked out in 2004, you know, they handed me a, I said, I got to make a phone call. Anyone got a quarter? Right. They go, quarter? They just, like, the people that met me was my family. There was 15 or 16 of them at the bus depot in Manhattan. They just wanted to meet me, welcome me home. And then I had to go to the halfway house, report uh, Myrtle Avenue. Oh, and that's where I grew up, right yeah. off Myrtle Avenue. Yeah, right, yeah. right there. Right so that's the, where you right were. By, right by, the, by, the, by the, uh, the projects there on. Yeah, the, yeah. That's not where I grew up, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We yeah. would <laughs> drive by there quickly. Yeah, quickly. Duck, um, roll, keep the doors yeah. locked. Lock the doors. Don't stop at the red light. Yes. <laughs> Don't yes. stop at the red light. Just yeah. keep going. <laughs> The cops will let you go. <laughs> so your family picks you up, and then and then and and, and are you? What is your? So they had cell phones. Yeah. Uh, the world had changed. Um, the pace was 
unbelie- unbelievable. I, I, I was scared. Right. So they put me on the front page of the Daily News the next day. They did. But it was the wrong guy. So that guy sued the Daily News, got a half a million dollars. I got nothing. Again. Another guy profited off of me. Wait, what do you right? mean they, they used the wrong picture? Yeah, different guy like you. He looked like you, in fact. Wow. In fact, it could have been you. That's how, that's, how, that's how the guy looked just like you, and they thought it was me. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so they put this guy's picture on and said, Dowd walks the streets, whatever the fuck he said again, and uh, yeah. whatever, back in society, and, uh, right. and, and this kid sued him. He got a half a million dollars in cash, and then the post followed me down the block for two days. Can we, Mike, what? Right. <laughs> can we put you on the paper? What the fuck for? They go, well, can you just sign a release so we don't get sued? I go, no. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. signing a release. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. They, and I was afraid to walk because I had, you know, the, they had these signs, stop. I just, I'm not the only one in the city standing there waiting at a stop sign because the fucking post is waiting for me to break a law, right? And I'm saying, okay, the hand is up. I better wait. You right. Know, you know, a minute and a half later, the hand comes down. I can walk across the street. There's no one around but me. And right. a guy from the post behind me. So I said, you know what? And then how long do you, are you on probation for when you get out? Five years. Five years. So now, so now you sit here like fully as free as that. You could go, go to Australia. I had a little trip up along the way, but yeah. Okay. I can't talk about it, not loud. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> trust me, there's many things that I, I'm not allowed to talk about on this podcast. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm being sued by multiple television networks. Uh, um, that's okay. Uh, was one uh, uh, close. <laughs> um, so I'm working with them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make a call. Okay. So, but, and also, you know, if you guys seeing the documentary, you know, you did a lot of stuff with like, you know, different drug cartels. And did you ever worry when you came out? Do these guys want? To hurt me? Do these guys want to kill anybody? Was any any thought of that? Do you still think that? <laughs> I helped them. Right. I right. helped them. You helped them, but yeah. I just but but they I didn't know. Me. If, they paid me for information. Right. So I, I So I'm in business with the guy still. So and you never ratted any of them out. So no, they they're right. Do you ever do you so so you don't fear at all and those old players come back for any reason at all? No. No, you're all no, good. No. Like you sleep like a baby. Yeah, and the and the former cops that you work with, there was one big guy, Walter, I Walter? believe. Do yeah. these guys like that? You don't talk to any of them. You're not in contact with any of them. I said Walter every week. Oh, Walter, you're still in contact with. Yeah, Chicky just Kenny Chicky. is the only one. Kenny and I, Kenny and I don't speak. But you, you wish you could. You, you wish. Well, there could I, be I, a I wish. I wish it was. I wish he was. Uh, well, put it like this: I don't really need Kenny for anything. He needs me. And if you look at his podcast, it's always about me. Otherwise, he gets no views. So I mean, it's the truth. Yeah, we have him on next week. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Your numbers should plummet. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, so I, because did you now? Okay, the last part, the thing that I want to get to too is is at the end of the documentary. It's uh, the, the fascinating thing is you are caught. You and Kenny are caught. You're going. You know that the FBI is already coming on you. You it know, is, and you're out on bail. And then there is a plan to be concocted to you to give go to a woman's house in Queens or Avon Street, right? In Avon, Queens, Avon. give her give her flowers. You're, you're going to kidnap her, deliver her to the Colombian cartel. They're going to execute her. You're going to get five hundred thousand dollars. You're going to take that money, flee the country, and escape bail. Did you really believe at that point in your life I'm going to get be able to get away with this and do it? The details. Are not the same, but yes. Okay. Oh, so that that would that was fabricated. That's not real. Most of it is a slant. Yeah. A slant. Okay, but he, to protect he, people. He, well, he kept pushing it. Got it. It wasn't none of this. So if if you need a whole two shows to understand that this plan was set up by somebody that followed me to the Dominican Republic in 1989. Now it's two, 1992, and he's back in my backyard. I don't know this. 
until I go to prison, I realize that's the guy that was on the, on the plane with me. So you were being set up for years, you didn't even know it. Correct. Right, right. So as, when I was out on bail, this thing came about, and we were just supposed to go there and take the cocaine and the money. Right. But as, as the plan became closer to, to reality, which, by the way, it never was. Right. It was never completed, nor was it at the moment that we get arrested. It was not even in the completion stage. It couldn't, couldn't, be, it couldn't be done. We were going to surveil the house. That's what we were going to do, to see if it was reasonable. So what happened was they needed to fast forward it because the PD wants to get their fucking their, their pounds of flesh right away. So they turned it into a kidnapping slash murder plot when it was just supposed to be a typical pushing robbery with flowers. Why would you take anybody out? Right, Why? right. But they kept pushing it and pushing it. So you hear me say on tape, and I made the mistake saying, go to the tape. Well, what they did was they cut out everything Kenny said and everything I denied along the way on the tape. And they just said, ah, we'll throw her in the back of the car, whatever I ended up saying. Right. I mean, just, to, I want, it's like this. You ever go out with your friend and there's a fat chick and, and a hot one? Sure. Says, all right, you go, all right, I'll fuck the fat chick. I mean, whatever, you know? Right. So, so, so you go, okay, okay, you're not going to fuck the but you're going to, okay, I'll go with you. I'll take the fat one. On a couple of times I have fucked the fat one. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the point, the, it's point very nice. is, the point is you might not, right? Yeah. You just say yes. You might not. Yeah, you, you say just yes. say so I go, okay, we'll throw in the car. What's the big right. deal? I'm getting to the next point. Yes. Because I'm tired of talking about this thing that's not going to happen. And specifically, that day, nothing was going to happen. Right. But he kept saying, we'll go into the door. I'm going, not going to the door. We're not even supposed to go to the door. The, the Colombian Dominican, they're supposed to go to the door. But he kept changing the plan because he needed me to do something so that they could arrest me on the scene in the street. But I started seeing cars around and guys with these long, back then they had antennas on, on cell phones right. and shit. And like, the fuck? This is not good. Right. <laughs> this doesn't look good. Yeah. I go, did you drop? I, I said in the car, I yell him, Kenny, they're setting us up here. He says, we're not going there to do a, um, we're not doing burglaries. We're doing a, we're doing a kidnapping. Because a call came over right. to the desk in the 107 precinct saying, there's, there's odd looking cars stationed on the block. Right. Which was the setup, right? right? I don't know this, but I had the scanner. He turns the scanner on, and when the scanner goes on, it says 107 uh, precinct to uh, car sector H. Yeah, we have a, a report that there's a stakeout on that block. So I look at Kenny. There's a stakeout on Avon. It's about 12 feet long, Avon. He goes, um, well, that's not us because we're going to do a kidnapping murder. Oh, really? That's what we're going there for, you fuckface? Oh, so they won't see us while they're staked out watching for burglars, right? You're a fucking dick. So I, I said, let's get out of here. Right. And I looked at him. I said, someone set this up, and I know it's him now, and I know he's wired. I don't know what to say. Oh, so you knew, because there's audio recording of you saying that they show in the documentary, but you knew in that moment. At that moment, I knew he set me up. You knew so it. I knew it, yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, I mean... 98% knew it, you know? Right, Because right. he kept, oh, no, they set us up, Mike. They set us up. And I'm driving back to his house. I'm saying, this motherfucker set me up. Um, um, did you if, you, if there was a guy, if there was, if there's a guy out there right now in the NYPD or any police department doing kind of similar things to what you were doing and he's not caught, nobody's on him yet, what would be your advice to that person? Stop. Stop. Just stop. Yeah. I was told to stop several times. Right, and you didn't. And I didn't. And you wish you had, uh, as time has yeah, went on. I mean, the movie's great. <laughs> yeah. Of course I wish I stopped, yeah. you know. Well, no, because some people, we've interviewed certain people on that said, like, you know what? 
I live, I, if I could do it over again, I would do it over again just the way I did it because they kind of want to live life in the fast lane like that. But you, I do feel like you feel like, you know what, I would never want to go back to that life now. No, I wouldn't. I mean, listen, there's, there's no reward in the end. You know, the turtle and the rabbit, right? Right. The turtle ends up fucking winning. Right. So that's the truth, you know? Right. And look at how much the world's changed. You lost your job as a cop. I didn't raise my kids, right? Right. My family was publicly disparaged. My mother was afraid to go to the store, the supermarket, because I was on the front page of newspapers every fucking day for two years. You know, her son, my mother, I didn't know this. In fact, it's really touching. When I went away, my mother wouldn't come see me in the beginning. She, was, wow. she refused. She was angry. You know, you look what you did to your father's name. It really, it's fucking, you know, it's a yeah. heavy hit, you know? Right. And, and, and I'm responsible for it. And then in the end, though, uh, I found out my mother's going to church every day. The whole time I was in prison, like every day she went to church and prayed. Now, you know, maybe for my safety, you know, maybe she was yelling at me. I don't know what she was doing, but, but she, she was, was there. Yeah. So uh, I didn't know that. She never said it. And I, and I never knew and that. What so about, and, and your father, you said you spoke to your father. Was he there? Like, what was his advice when you were going in prison or when he found all this out? What, what was that like? My father's like, you fucked up, kid. I go, I know that. That's all it was. <laughs> Good luck. Hang in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always Make like, it through. Yeah. Stay tough. I taught you to be strong. So. Right. Well, it is, you know, like the NYPD, it's, it's a different, it's a different place now, a different world now. It feels like back when you guys were police, uh, you know, you love being a, a part of the job, you were on the force, and now it, it doesn't seem like, you know, with the way the world's changed, it doesn't seem like cops necessarily love, not all cops love being cops. Anymore. I wouldn't be a cop in New York City right now for anything. Because you're not vaccinated. <laughs> Did you say vaginated? <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't do it now. You would not be in the NYPD now. Um, Different life. No, right. I wouldn't. I'd go to Florida or something like that and be a cop in a, in a nice community like Delray, right. Delray Beach, Clearwater, something nice. You right. Know, make yourself a hundred grand a year and you can be a policeman. Sure. Or yeah. Right, right. Or, yeah, or person. No, no, that's good. Yeah, Trend, that's, yes. some, of the, some of the best police officers I've ever met in my life were women, by the way. Right. They was, they was, they're level-headed, you know? Right. Right, I think you were going to say they're lesbians. That too, but you a, said lot, a lot of them. But there's oh. nothing wrong with that. I like what they like. We yeah, we'll that's what it is. We'll Pimp, any questions? I, Pimp always likes to come in with a nice question. Uh, did Did you commit any crimes as a teenager? You know, um, I would. I was a hustling teenager, so you, some things were a little edgy. I did sell a couple black beauties. Uh, is that uh, people? What is a black beauty? <laughs> uh, Isn't that a Cosby drug? I don't know. What's yeah, a black some, beauty? It was a speed. It was a speed. Oh. Oh, a type of speed. Yeah, okay. I, I sold a jar of speeds once. It yeah, happens. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not okay. Good. I mean, just drugs. Was I? Yeah, I was, I was yeah. a manipulator. I was like, okay. <laughs> but I did hustle a lot. I, I was. I listen. I had a paper route since I'm 11 years old. Okay. All right. I have seven kids in the family. We had nothing. We shared yeah. shoes. I mean, for Christ's sakes. Back in, the, my father was a firefighter. How yeah. much money did he bring in? You know, not much. He worked four jobs. My mother raised seven kids. You know. Oh right. And she did a damn good job. But most of them, you know. Yeah. I was actually the, the prize child. Believe it or not. Really. I was the one. Yeah, like you know how they have the one. I was the one. You were the one. Yeah. Oh my! I mean, and I'm sorry. What about what about um, Pimp? Do you want to answer about ghosts? Yeah, yeah. You believe in ghosts? Any ghost stuff? Um, I'm starting to. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Any yeah. encounters? Actually, actually, I've I've had some. I actually had a, a out of body experience once, but I don't want to talk about it right now. What? Oh, you don't you don't want to say? No, but it's just you know it. It's you have to be there. You know, I was 22 years old and I was. A lot of realizations in my life. I wasn't happy or I was, you know, confused and not about my sexuality. But uh, I just, it was more about um, what am I going to do with my life? And, uh, and I had a moment and I had a Jesus moment, if you want to 
say that, if that's okay. On, on of course, yeah, of course, and, yeah. And I actually had an out-of-body experience. I felt I was floating in the fucking air, and I had to actually bring myself back in. And Right, and... and I know, it's crazy. And, you had like a and I wasn't on any drugs. I didn't do drugs at the time. I don't never right. used drugs at the time. Right. And at that Jesus, time, and at Je- the time. And, come, and, the, and you said, like, Jesus... Was Jesus it lifted in like, me? I was lifted out of my fucking body. And was, was he in like, by, I was talking by the door. Wow! And Jesus was right. Jesus was right there. Wow! Something I, I don't know. And I said, not now. Right. I said, not right now. I got things to do. Yeah. Right. That's the truth. I mean, I yeah. The idea is. I have a lot of cocaine to sell. Yes. Yes. Basically, it's pretty, yeah. pretty much what yeah. I was saying yeah. without knowing it yet. Right. Because I wasn't around. I love the thought of you and Jesus doing blow together. And yeah. Was like, <laughs> um, well, if Mary's. But <laughs> there you go. You said it. She was a stripper, right? I mean, uh, was was Mary stripper? Yeah, I think yes. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know. She stripped. Did Mary strip? I, I'm not a hundred. I know there's a short. bunch of harlots around. There was a bunch of harlots around. And she could have. They say Mary Magdalene could have been a prostitute. Right. Um. Uh. And Mary, yes, she could have. There's a possibility. They Mary's the mother. Of we God. don't know. I love Mary. She, she gets me through. She got me through prison. Mary got Mary me and Jesus got me through prison. Really? Just yeah. kind of like saying you praying, know that the, praying daily. Wow. Yeah. Do you still pray? When I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, well, it's true. It's, just, it's honest truth. You know, it's, but, but, but the, or when nights when I can't sleep, I just right. ask, I ask for you know, relief from, right. from, from my stress of the day. And I ask the Lord to come give me some peace. That's beautiful. I, lo- I, I respect that. I mean, I, I, we pray. We pray. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's that's Jesus. That's uh, the door. Oh, somebody's at your door? Someone's at the door. Is it the FBI? <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate this. <laughs> I said I was clean. Is there a, is there a lie detector? <laughs> my friend Chris in the back. Any questions? Chris, my friend, I won't say my friend, he used to work for the NYPD. Oh, that's so, great. So, yeah. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, on a, were you doing the day-to-day bullshit at work? Like, were you writing summonses? Were you doing all that, making collars? Or was it all about, like, obviously the documentary is going to show the most exciting right. stuff. Right. So I, uh, if you looked at my reports, I was rated, like, if there's a 10, I was a 10. As far as uh, police activity and police work, but I, I would I would lie on my summonses. I would write them to Ben Ward. If you know you know who Benjamin Ward was, he was the police commissioner. I used to write his him tickets and and I put diff- different dates of birth. Or I'd go by the graveyard and I'd find a tombstone and I take the dates of birth off the tombstone. So no one got summonses. But one time, one time I ended up in court with one of these fake summonses. I don't know how I ended up there. And it was an Arab guy with an Arab name. I don't know how to write Arab, but I was there. So anyway. I don't know how I ended up in court. So I told, I looked at the court. I looked at the guy. I said to the judge, "I said I don't know this guy." He goes, "Okay, dismissed." Boom. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, so so in a way, you were like kind of helping people. You yes. were also helping at the same time. It, that's what I said. It's the dichotomy of this. You were helping people, Listen, and also I didn't, I didn't want I didn't want to hurt people. I didn't want to see their insurance rates go up. If I could, if I could just you know at the moment uh, at the time say, "Listen, you blew the red light." I gave a nun a summons once. I will say, and I didn't know she was a nun because she told me, "What the fuck you doing? Pulling me over." She uh, said she cursed at you like sure. that. She says, "What the fuck are you doing? Pull me over!" I mean, she went through two red lights. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know who she was. She's like, "I'm sorry, so, I'm on black so beauties." So I sit down, I take her license, I'm writing. <laughs> I wasn't on black beauties then. I coke. I was writing her summons, and uh, and and she comes, and then I open up her 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 license didn't say sister on it, but her registration said Monsignor, sister so and so, whatever the hell it said. And I went, "Oh Jesus Christ!" So what did I do? I I said, "I'm sorry. I had to write you the summons. I didn't know you were." You know, a sister, whatever we call them, nun. I didn't know you. I didn't know you were a nun. She goes, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> I said, "I'll see you in court. I'll let the, I'll let you win." I yeah. told her, "I'll let you win in court." She right. goes, "I ain't got time for." That. And she know, and who knows? She so then I went. Up. I saw the priest who ended up trying to molest me. By the way, yeah, it's facts. Well, yeah. the three podcasts. Yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> I ended up going to see the priest. To tell him, listen, I gave the sister a summons. He looks up. He goes, "Ah, fucker." I said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> 
That's I mean, it. This, this is my story. I'm sticking to it. Right. All right. Well, there, I mean, very interesting. Very interesting. Anybody else have anything they'd like to ask Mr. Mike Dowd? No? Anybody good? We got ghosts, Venetia, anything you want to do? Big T? Anything? Venetia, do you have any, do you have a, Greek, a single Greek friend? Um, I, well, you, you, Venetia is, you know, she's only will date Greek men. I, I, do we know a single you, Greek? I, I do have some, some Greek. Really? Yes, I do. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to be Greek too. By the way. <laughs> there you go. Are you into black beauties? Um, all right. Well, thank you. I got Ms. a hairy chest. No, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do uh, yeah, all yeah. the women in our family. Yeah. So um, I, I, um, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Seven Five Documentary. Check it out. Uh, any anything? Do you I have just, anything going you know, on? You know the seven. Well, um, I got some things in the works. Yeah. So, 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 but you know the Seven Five, the Mike Dowd. Uh, a Twitter, Instagram, and Michael, okay. Michael Dowd on Facebook. You know, I my social media is a little bit weak. I need a little pump up on that. Uh, yeah. You know, you can't follow the whores because then your girlfriends get mad at you. You know, and that's yep. where there's 72 million people follow a whore. And I, I, if I don't follow, I lose. I lose 72 million potentials. So yes. I mean, my social media is weak. That's right? it. Social media is weak, kids. You heard from Mike Dowd. Follow the whores. Have <laughs> no, fun. No, no, follow me. Fuck the whores. <laughs> there you have it. This is Chrissy Chaos. <laughs>